Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. After a long hiatus, the JMU Sports News Podcast is back. With all of the news happening right now, Bennett and I thought it was time to record something and get some thoughts out there after not having a podcast since I believe March 25th when Mark Byington was hired as the JMU men's basketball new head coach. From the coronavirus pandemic that is still happening to all of the instances of racial injustice in our country. We cover it all, and we want to use this as a platform to open up the channels of communication. So please, if you want to talk to us about any of this and start the conversation, reach out to us via Twitter at JMU Sports News or email. You can email us at jmusportsnews at gmail.com. Now, here are our thoughts. Oh, and also, change the names, JMU. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, and it has been a while. So, Jack, how are you? Yeah, how long? I, what, a couple? When, when was our last podcast? Did we do an April one, or has it been March? It, I think it's been since early March. Yeah, so like a three-month hiatus. In the middle of when we were supposed to be pumping out some fantastic stuff with... Yeah. Baseball was going to win the CAA. You know, we can just say that now. The only sport we can't say was going to win the CAA was men's basketball because they lost in the first round. I know. We, we talked about this in the past. I think we were sort of rooting for them to, like, have had a game scheduled that was canceled. So we could have hypothetically been like, you know what? This team was going to go on a run. They were going to piece it together. Even though they let go of their coach, things were going well. <laughs> so, did we talk I don't even think we talked about like the new basketball recruits. We'll skip some of that though. Cause it's, you know, it's a long way away, but yeah, we'll get back into that when sports hopefully come back. But yeah, I think our last podcast was actually the Mark Byington, like, Oh yeah. We did the emergency, emergency, <laughs> emergency Mark Byington podcast. So that was a good one. So we have a decent amount of things to talk about, even though sports are not happening. We'll talk about sort of players using their voices to talk about racial injustice and things like that. Um, We'll also talk about COVID-19, which you can't really ignore. 
because we don't know if they'll even play football in the fall. Um, and uh, we'll do a little bit of football talk on the field just because it makes us feel happy. Yeah. That was the first time we've ever done a rundown. I kind of like that. <laughs> Got my little notebook over here. Little neighboring wins notebook here from my fake company that we made at JMU. What is neighboring wins? Real quick, we have to talk about that before we get into like real topics. What's neighboring wins? Legion win competition. We won the business plan portion of it. Our turbine didn't actually work, so we didn't win the whole thing. But we went to Chicago. It was a little thing with like 12 colleges in the Department of Energy. And uh, I think we sold wind turbines to like, um, like neighborhood communities was our business plan. I vaguely remember it. I was not involved. I do actually remember that because your girlfriend was in my class. Yes. One of my like news classes. And that was a story she pitched. Really? Yeah. Well, it turned out great. I think it was, I think it was her. If she's listening, I don't know if she listens to our podcast. Interviewed kids in the class at some point. I think. Okay. And yes, gotcha. she, she stood by her journalism ethics and didn't interview you. Yeah. I was not interviewed. Unfortunately. I definitely would have interviewed you in that scenario because I hated those classes. Also due to my, my um, lack of involvement in the actual project where I did as little work as possible. Then we went to Chicago for about a week and the business kids did not have to do much. So like they'd be doing stuff with the turbine and at like noon, a couple of kids in our group were like, okay, we'd head out and just like drink beers. So it was, <laughs> it was a fun week. Anyway, I guess transitioning, do you want to start? What do we want to start with? I guess let's do, let's go into the, uh, I think COVID and playing makes sense together. So let's start with like the players using the voice and the protests about racial, racial injustice. I think that um, JMU players for the most part, there hasn't been really a ton of, of outspoken players about this. I think through the athletic department, you've seen some stuff for like blackout Tuesday and, and some stuff for Juneteenth today, which is when we're recording this. Um, but players overall, I don't know about you, Jack, haven't said, too much compared to you look at like Oklahoma State and Iowa and some of these other other programs have really spoken out about things. I think JMU players for the most part have been um, relatively quiet during this period. Yeah, early on they did put out the um, the videos from men's basketball and women's basketball, but that was the only sport that I think had something like that. And I don't even know if that was necessarily JMU planned. It kind of had the appearance of the players coming together and speaking up on it um but yeah overall the 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 student athletes haven't spoken up too much and that's their like prerogative and nothing against that um it's just interesting yeah to see like chubba you know i have heard it both ways to be honest with you i have heard chubba and chuba i think chuba is probably correct but okay <laughs> well you've, we've seen what chuba hubbard i think i probably said chubba <laughs> chubba chuba hubbard um when he spoke out against mike gundy which was fantastic but i also think jmu's in a not saying jmu's perfect in any way and we'll get into the, the flaws of jmu later on but the, the coaches haven't really been speaking up much, and it might also be because JMU's not that kind of level of national prominence that Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy is. So Kurt Signetti isn't getting on national TV and talking about One America News. Um, there was one kind of thing that came up about an ex-JMU coach 
yeah. which I think neither one of us were completely surprised by necessarily. And it, it was very sad to see that. And seeing that, I'm very glad that that coach is no longer with the program. But I haven't seen much coming out about this, this coaching staff, at least football-wise. And even basketballs, it seemed like they're all coming together to talk. Coach O, it seemed like um, it. I think I read a report, maybe it was from Shane Metlin from the DNR, about how they had like an open conversation and just talked it out early on through all of this. And it seemed like they're rather coming together and having these talks within and haven't taken that next step out. Um, I'll be interested to see if they do, especially with all the news coming out about JMU right now and hashtag change the names. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think some of it, too, like you mentioned, is just lack of of coverage and national prominence. You pretty much have the DNR. Like, I know that you've also got sort of the TV and, and some of the student journalism around there. But for the most part, with the students home, you've just got like the DNR for at least consistent daily detailed reporting on this stuff. So I know they've talked a little bit about like Coach O and sort of how he handled things internally. And you look at Signetti's posted stuff pretty consistently, as well as some other coaches on Twitter. Um, and you mentioned the thing with some players calling out a former coach on uh, staff for some some comments that were a little bit like racially charged, I guess, if that's the right way to say it, um, and who is no longer with the program. But yeah, I think overall, you mentioned the change the names and some of the buildings on campus named after, and you put this in quote, like Confederate heroes as sort of... I can't believe it. That, sorry to sidetrack it, but that statement that JMU put out, or was it a JMU official statement? I think it was their survey to students where they did like the bios of um, the three like names in question. They sort of talked about who they were and they, I thought those were interesting because they lead with like, he was an oceanographer who also wanted to kill people to own slaves. It's like you led with oceanographer. And then, it, and at the end it's, he then fled to Texas after the war where he was a traitor and tried to start another slave holding nation. And it's like, oh yeah, that's who we want to honor on campus right like clearly it seems at least in our view that it's kind of a straightforward building name change um that just sort of hasn't happened but i think we were talking a little bit off air that you know if you had a group of athletes sort of come together and i haven't seen much on this i don't know if former athletes have signed petitions or things like that but if you had a group that sort of came out and was vocal about wanting the names changed i do think that would sort of be newsworthy i think that would make a statement i'm not saying they need to do that or should have to do that or whatever. But I th think that's sort of an area where you look at, at how athletes can use their voice to make change. To me, if you're a JMU athlete, that's certainly an opportunity to at least speak out about something. Yeah, and we have no idea what they're doing behind closed doors and everything like that. And it also shouldn't take athletes speaking up for JMU to realize to change their names. But yeah, I think, I think athletes coming out, especially on a college campus, and it kind of speaks to that that relationship that student athletes have with the university, kind of that disproportionate amount of power almost that they have. And we've seen it across the nation with Texas players saying they won't go to donor things. And that changed, changed course really quick. Um, a couple Iowa, Iowa had their strength and conditioning coach, but he left mm -hmm. um, because of racist remarks. I want to say there was another program where this, that the student athletes use their power to kind of, change course on things but it just shows that jmu student athletes could really get things moving i think quicker we were starting to see the deans of all the colleges come together jmu libraries came together and put out a statement i think 
we're seeing a, a changing tide. And I wouldn't be surprised even to see one of the teams or all of athletics come together and put something out here soon. For sure. And yeah, I think that it's, it's nice to see people speaking. It's also important to see places like JMU and other places sort of um, go beyond just, just speaking. So you look at maybe if the athletics program wanted to speak more to like their hiring practices or sort of how they promote diversity and things like that. I think those are tangible ways that sort of could be better than the university could also do similar things to that. So yeah, it's, it's cool to see athletes using their voice. It's cool to see them actually have a platform where they aren't sort of stifled. Cause you look in the past, a lot of these players, they get the media training. <laughs> and I remember I, I talked to one player once and he just, he said something about sort of how the other teams like offensive line wasn't very good. And then he was sort of <laughs> I ran into him later. And he told me that, um, you know, it was like taken off media for the rest of the season. So like, that's the kind of thing where I think it's okay to let, let players speak a little bit. Obviously you don't want a freshman sort of trashing another team or whatever, but I think on the same, same light, it's okay to let your athletes and your students speak and have a voice and be able to protest or do whatever they need to do. So it's good to see that the programs are sort of finally coming around on that. Yeah. Definitely. And I think right now in this kind of age of COVID and things are very odd with student athletes not being at, at the school and they're not under the, the, the leadership of the communications department and kind of, this isn't necessarily an athlete or reporting on a game type of thing. Like this is a, a national thing coming out. This is a, a more, a bigger than sports type of thing. So when you're going to reach out to these athletes you're not getting getting them as an athlete. You're getting them as a person who happens to be an athlete too. So I think that kind of also changes how they're they're talking. They're not talking about the X's and O's and what happened in the trenches on Saturday night. They're talking about how they've been personally affected by all of these things and how they plan on coming together and and helping change the course, white, black, all of that, and how they come together in the locker room and try to make the change also through campus and in their hometowns right yeah i mean like a couple of years ago i think the coach that made sort of the racist remarks that were brought up on twitter um he was a coach on the championship team right so i think when you're a jmu fan you sort of assume that everything's perfect and, and everything's great within the program but there are times where things like that aren't brought up and i think maybe in the future now players will feel more comfortable comfortable to be like hey this this isn't okay where they either bring it to the head coach or or they bring it out to the media or whatever they need to do to to bring it to light so that's that's certainly exciting and hopefully there's more tangible meaningful change that actually takes place because of this and not just a lot of talk yeah without a doubt all right should we shift gears to a little covid as we sort of go through our our checklist of, of things that are going on in the crazy world we're currently living in yeah before we start covid i just want to say wear a mask that's yes. that's <laughs> i saw so many tweets today and it, it just like I don't understand how people don't wear masks and I'm not, well, yeah, I'm trying to be, it shouldn't be a political thing. And, a, and, and politics has made it a political thing. Just wear a mask for your neighbor. Like just do it. It's, it's super easy. The people that are like, it's infringing on my freedoms. Like freedom to not wear a mask for 15 minutes in, in like the Harris Teeter. What are you talking about, man? That's like, hard. Super easy. Well, I, I realize this podcast isn't going to be kind of cozy. You know, Jack just put a mask on for those. We're filming this today. I put it on in all of two seconds. <laughs> Jack wearing glasses. We both know as the glasses wearer that wearing a mask can be a struggle because you're going to fog up. Every yeah, time I, I, 
I figured out how to do it though. It gets caught and I like throw it off. But here's the thing. You just have to kind of be an old man glasses wearer. Where you, kind of, you go over the mask. I haven't done that. Yeah, you kind of, you hike up the mask a little bit more than normal, like all the way up your nose. And then you just bring the glasses and then kind of adjust. And then you don't fog up. Okay. Okay. Might have to give that a shot. The other thing to add on, make sure you wear it over your nose. Like I've seen people wearing it below their nose. And I'm like, that's, that's not helping anyone. I saw... There's a, a cashier at Trader Joe's when I was there last, and she had it on, and it was covering her mouth but not her nose. And I was just like, I, I like for you, like that's protection for you. Like, I'm not like I have my mask on. I'm fine. I'm just like worried about you as a person. But it's critical to do. So it's it's super easy thing to do. Just do it, especially if it's like mandated. Like in Virginia, I believe it is still mandated and people sort of confused it because they did like a phase one reopening with masks, which is sort of, you can still do more things, but the mask, when it's open, things are open, you have the mask, it sort of helps reduce the spread and people are just like, well, we're opening, I don't need no mask. It's like, what? So wear a mask. It's a good point. Um, and wearing masks will help, <laughs> help <laughs> them come back to play sports this fall. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing because uh, right now, here's the question. Will they play? What is your gut feeling? I think they're going to try to play. Like I think all these schools are going to try to play, but I have some doubts about what's going to happen, especially you look at FCS rosters where you have fewer scholarship players. So you've got more compared to FBS. You've got more guys who are either like walk-ons or, or whatever. And I don't know, like if you're an FCS player who's not going pro, which is like, almost all of them are you willing to risk health and i know some people are going to probably be screaming right now they're like well look at the numbers and not everybody who gets it at this age dies or whatever but the point isn't just like dying it's also like spreading throughout the community and it's also nobody knows that much about the virus so there are like certain cases where it can come back or you can have breathing issues down the line or it can affect different organs um, differently for different people so there's just still a learning curve when it comes to the virus so I think they're going to try to play. I think a lot of schools are going to try to play. I know JMU is coming back. I think July 6th is the date when they're returning in terms of like practices. And then they're going to probably follow that division one NCAA model, which was approved this week where you sort of get a few hours in mid July and then more hours after that. And then I think if you start on September 5th, I want to say like August 7th, it would be your first like official practice day. So I think they're going to try to do it and do things outside and whatever, but I have my doubts. You look at the programs across the country that are getting the positive tests where the players have to quarantine for two weeks. I imagine those would continue into the season. So if, let's say JMU, like its entire quarterback room, which spends all this time together, they all are asymptomatic or symptomatic, but they test positive and you lose them from the Delaware game. I mean, <laughs> who's playing quarterback? You're getting like a receiver. You're getting a running back to Juan Hamilton Wildcat all day, Palmer Wildcat. Like, I don't know, but if we're being honest, I think Signetti would love that because then he could justify <laughs> running the ball 60 times in a game. He might do that anyway, I guess, right? He doesn't need a quarterback. Most conservative <laughs> in the world, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they'll, they'll play? You know, you're kind of the same things you were saying. My gut is telling me they won't play, especially we were talking off air on this. I think the sec is, darn gonna like pedal to the metal we are playing because there's so much money in the sec and southerners care about football a lot more than virginia southerners like alabama football is a religion in tuscaloosa like georgia football is a religion in athens 
JMU football is not a religion in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Virginia Tech and UVA is more of a religion in Harrisonburg than JMU is. And because of that, I, I don't see them putting the athletes in kind of harm's way. And also, it just doesn't make sense from an FCS kind of fiscal perspective, too. If you're going to have no fans or limited fans, you're then hampering a lot of the money you're going to bring in. It's going to cost a lot to play and do all of these tests. And then also, is it really worth flying up to Rhode Island? Like you, you brought up playing more in regionalized areas and there's a, a story out, like I, I forgot how they laid it out, but with Richmond and William and Mary and JMU, kind of that regionalized area, Elon, but it, they don't even do that. It's just like, is it worth going to Maine, Rhode Island, Stony Brook? Hop, not Hofstra's not football anymore. Um, but it, I just don't see how they justify it. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be really hard to do that. And you look at maybe they could try to do the regional thing where you like, I guess you could squeeze in Delaware, right? They're pretty close. Villanova is not that far away. So maybe you kind of do that where those and Elon and Richmond, William Mary, and you could do, there's like five teams you do home and homes or whatever, which would be interesting from the fan perspective. Maybe you can do it more safely, but yeah, I think every team is sort of operating under the assumption that there will be positive tests. I think that's okay, but there's got to be a, sort of a threshold of like within the universe. almost. What'd you say? Like a fail safe. Yeah. Yeah. There's gotta be like a number within either the university as it tries to come back or within student athletes where you're like, all right, you know, maybe this just doesn't make any sense. Like, especially when you have to do the still the two week quarantine period, like that's a decent amount of time. And I assume that translates to the student athletes in the classroom. Right. So then are they, if they get it playing football, then do they have to go, I assume they would. They're taking classes all online from wherever they're able to isolate on campus or off campus for two weeks. Like that's a, that's a sizable impact to their education, which I think should also be valued. And also JMU, we know is a good football program. They're going to be playing in theory this season through Thanksgiving break into Mm -hmm. winter break and playing in January. How do you and, and students aren't coming back after Thanksgiving break? So how do you justify playing those games after Thanksgiving break? And then all of the travel that comes in playoffs, because FCS football has the playoffs and Weber State might be coming to town, or depending on seating, we might be going to Weber State. Like how do you justify that after that certain point? Like I feel like a lot of football fans right now are kind of short-sighted in that, where they're seeing if we can play week one, the rest of the season will be good. Week one may be fine. Week two might be fine. But when that second spike that's predicted comes in October and November and students aren't back on campus, but we're telling these football athletes, you need to come back to campus to play these games. That's when I think it gets a little fishy. And I think that's where the problem lies. Granted, I think Jane, you only needs to play the UNC game this year to keep their athletic program afloat. (laughs) That's kind of the thing too with me is like, what if they did it, you know, back in the day, which really isn't that far ago, probably for some of our listeners, but we like were unborn, but where they wouldn't have like a bowl system, they didn't have a playoff system. And like at the FBS level, they would pretty much just play the games. And then there would be like a vote at the end of the year, you'd have a poll and your national champions, whoever was like voted number one, right? They didn't really have the same championship system. You could play in a game as like the number three team or whatever and be the national championship if you won it at the end of the year or whatever. So I think that's something that could, could work. Maybe you play the regular season and, and do that. And I think North Dakota state would pretty much really <laughs> yeah. 
uh, not be number one given sort of how pollsters view things, but I think something like that could be valuable where you do that and maybe you just do that and that's you crown your national champion if you can't play postseason games or maybe at the end you do some sort of like bowl game thing where you play another really good regionalized team. Um, so it was ranked or whatever. I don't know, but I think they need to be creative because if they go in, like you were saying, where it's like, all right, all things a go, I think you could probably get through September and things could be pretty decent. You get in October, I think things could be decent. But then at the end of October into November and into December when they're playing games and sort of flu season hits and starts to spike up a little more, I don't know that it would make any sense or that it would work. And then if, what if you get into the playoffs and things go wrong and you're two rounds in, you just cancel it? Like, yeah, it, there's so many question marks. I think it's going to put, I read a lot of reports and like people reporting on this early on in this stage about how this is going to really strain the NCAA and we might see a major kind of changing of the guard here soon. And I haven't seen as much of that, but I really think that might be an effect, especially with potentially the SEC wanting to play and the Pac-12 saying no and the Big 12, half of the school saying we want to play, are we going to see – I know I keep harping on the SEC. I just feel like they're the one, like, given that's going to be playing just by the way they are. So, like, does half of the Big 10 and a third of the, the Big 12 come together with the SEC and say we're playing this season this way? Like, is that what's going to happen? And then the Pac-12 will be out. Is it going to become more – regionalized are we going to see more games between JMU and UVA this season maybe they strike up a deal somehow which I know isn't even possible but like are we going to see things like that I think we'll see a big strain on the NCAA this season and I I I don't know if they could necessarily weather it if kind of these conferences throw out their schedules two weeks into it and say all right we're redoing it right right so it's going to be really interesting I think it's going to be different Hopefully they're able to get through the games. And you mentioned sort of the UNC game, which is obviously the $500,000 paycheck. Play that one. Just play, play yeah, that one. Just cancel your first, what, two weeks of games and then play that one. I know that sounds so cool. We don't care. We need the money. But, I mean, honestly. if Because, well, we'll get destroyed. If anything, just send me and Bennett. Send us. We'll play. We will get clobbered for 500 k We'll alternate quarterback every drive. Your center, I'm – and then once you snap it, just turn around because the line will be in my lap. We'll do screens. <laughs> um, but, frick, what was I saying? Crap. Oh, and they don't – and Jamie doesn't have an FBS game in what, two seasons? Something like that, yeah. So they've got a gap coming up, and, like, obviously that paycheck is massive when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in, so – Either that or maybe if I don't know what Signetti's buyout is, maybe he can do really well and some power five squad can buy him out. <laughs> You'll get the buyout. <laughs> That's got to be your strategy at this point. No, I don't know. But it's going to be different. I think people have sort of assumed over the last couple of weeks, just as programs are returning, that like the season's going to go on as normal. And I think there's still a lot of questions and doubts, at least for me, about it actually going on as normal because you've got them interacting with the student body got all that stuff and you got to have to have them quarantine. It changes sort of how they're doing academically. Um, it's a challenge. It's different. And I think it could certainly cause some problems. Yeah, without a doubt. But just a quick note on that. We've seen like Texas, what they had 13 players just test positive And then um, they already had like four others who have the antibodies. So 
what, that's 17 players who've tested positive or had the virus. So yeah, we're going to see spikes like that across the country as things happen. But barring any crazy spikes, say things just go perfectly in Georgia and Montana, spikes start to go down and, and things are going well, who is starting week one? This is a good question. I don't, I'm having a hard time figuring out how the pandemic affects like the quarterback battle. Yeah. Because I don't know. Because like I think in some aspects, Cole Johnson probably has like a better feel in terms of the passing game. Like, I think he's the better passer. Um, but I think implementing the passing game with like fewer practices is probably harder than implementing the running game just because it's like, block you know what i mean like there's there's less that needs to sort of go right in terms of timing on routes timing yeah. with returners. and a lot of the the offensive lines returners right right so i think they'll kind of have that down and like gauge is a better power rusher i think for the rushing attack he's a better dual threat guy so i think that could could give him some benefit but cole's experience with what he can do in the passing game you could also argue that and i'm clearly both sizing this but you could argue that for cole johnson that like he knows the offense well enough. He's experienced enough that he won't need this massive like time to get timing down. But I think, I mean, I don't know, Gage's experience too. I'm going to say Cole. <laughs> I'm notoriously bad at predicting these, but I'm going to say Cole starts just because I kind of want the like pure passer. Yeah. I, I remember I stamped it on one of our podcasts back in February. I think it was where I said, Stamp it, a transfer is going to be starting week one. And I think I would have been right if this pandemic didn't hit. <laughs> um, and then after that, I was gauge 100%. But then you brought up some facts, and I've switched to Cole Johnson. And I've hit, the, I've hit the, everything. Um, but yeah, I think like what you said, Cole is the better passer. He's more experienced. He has a little bit of ability to run. Um, and I think we'll see a gauge in like wildcat formations. Like we saw him in the national championship, which was weird that out of all the entire season, we're like, let's wait to put in our wildcat quarterback in the natty on the final drive. Not to score. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think Cole Johnson, he's the better passer. And this, I don't think this is like other years where you need necessarily a dual threat QB like Danucci, like shore, like bad. Um, think Cole's a little bit more pocket but you have 14 million running backs that you can like put in that you can get the running game going that way um so I think Cole Johnson starts hopefully he doesn't have the turnover problems like he does in some of the games where he would check in as the garbage time QB and he'd throw a pick right away but yeah no it's gonna be fascinating to see because it's it's a season that I hope happens because I think this team is really good even though they need to maybe reload a little bit. And I think North Dakota State's the clear cut number one. You look at the running backs on the team, the offensive line. I think the defensive line, especially in the middle, is very good. Linebackers are solid. Maybe some questions at the back end of the secondary a little bit, maybe a corner. But, like, special teams is good. Running backs are insane. And you got a coach that loves to run the ball. Like, I really hope they can play. Here's a question. And it's, it's probably not even a question. It's more probably very clear thing. If they don't play this season, do you think fall athletes will get the year back kind of like spring athletes did? Probably. I think. <laughs> I would hope so, right? If they missed out on the entire season. Yeah. I'd, I'd assume too. 
Let's see what happens. I wonder what would happen if they played like, I guess that happened in the spring. They played a portion of it and then they, they gave it to him. I wonder if they play a portion, something happens that they would still give them the, or how much would be a portion or whatever. I think anything more than half then they wouldn't give it back. It's interesting though, because some of the schools you like can't afford to keep that many kids on scholarship. So even if they give you the, um, like the additional spots to do it, and I don't know what JMU would be looking like if you've got the spring sports have all, I think they, JMU said they were going to like honor those scholarships and pay them, um, which I don't think UVA even did just financially. So then you look at doing that with like an entire football team of seniors or whatever. I don't know how many seniors are on the team, but you've got a decent amount. I don't know. That would be, that would be something. So we'll see. I really hope they play, but I, people just like have forgotten the last three weeks that like there's still the virus. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of very important things going on outside of the virus, but yeah, I mean, it kind of just shows that terribleness of our mass cable media of just like being so blindsided of like, Oh, this new thing's happening. We're going to completely ditch this old thing. Like completely ditch. Like they've got 24 hours of airtime and they just don't discuss the coronavirus. I'm like, when, when they used to have a death counter. <laughs> oh my God, man. Really any, any side you got the left in terms of what they do with the cable news, you got the right side and all of it is just bad. I, so, not the local news, which is not the media. Why isn't the media showing this? It's like a reporter. <laughs> well, they are showing it. It's just not on CNN. I love the person who did that in the, I think it was the Oakland one. Why isn't the media here? And then the person responded with like, I'm literally your local reporter. And the person's like, well, when I said media, I meant CNN. And it's like. Insane. Just insane. But no, I mean like, yeah, you're right. Everything that's going on in the protests and things like that have sort of um, changed people's outlook on the virus in terms of they haven't really looked at it that much, which makes sense. But then you've also got other people that are like, well, if people are protesting, then I can watch the Bama boys compete in the fall. And it's like, maybe a different, like different importance there between protesting racial injustice and uh, watching Alabama play Ole Miss. Watching (laughs) Alabama play any team that they're going to beat. So, uh, I don't know. But I think that you're kind of right where you're saying, like, you know, once we get late into the fall, like this could easily come back and, and sort of have some shockwaves. Yeah, it's going to be. I kind of, what do you think about the regional idea? Would you like it if they played, let's say it's a home and home with Richmond, William, Mary, Elon, and maybe like Delaware. So like they would all like, Jim, you would stay home for say, or that half of those teams would stay home for like four weeks and then go on the road for four weeks. I don't know how the logistics would work. I know they would all play each other twice, like one game at Bridgeforth, one yeah. game okay. at Bridge. But I guess, yeah, you could do it probably where they maybe they rotate in terms of travel. So one team's just constantly traveling and the other. Um, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, those are some of the better teams in the CAA, at least historically. Richmond's kind of sucked as of late. And William & Mary's kind of sucked as of late. Um, Elon – Kind of sucks after. Maybe that isn't the best, actually. Um, maybe you go eight zero with eight thirty point wins. <laughs> the fighting Danny Rocco's. If I had an up and down time with him, um, 
I wouldn't mind it. I would prefer an ultra regionalized where you're playing ODU, Richmond, William and Mary, Tech, UVA. Like that would be the the dream. Um, so I'm going to say I would. I prefer ultra regionalized over CAA regionalized. I would also prefer ultra regionalized. Although the issue is you've got to convince like UVA and Tech to play JMU, William Mary, Old Dominion, all these teams, and they're like. Mm. Well, if you're telling UVA and Tech you're not playing your big boy ACC Clemson schedule, you got over nothing. Yeah, it's like, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to not play a season, or do you want to be ultra regionalized? And I think that's when you're like, ultra regional would be absolutely incredible. But also with the CAA regionalized, that means Maine, Rhode Island, Stony Brook. Maybe screw. Um, who else is up there? New Hampshire. Did you New Hampshire. Like, those teams? They'd all have to play each other, right? That'd be the regional one, yeah. That'd be the North region. Nobody you can throw Villanova up there, too, if you're going Stony Brook. A single person would care about the North region. That'd actually be pretty good football with, like, Stony Brook and New Hampshire. But then you have Maine and Rhode Island. Hey, Rhode Island is sometimes good. Maine is Albany, good. we forgot about the undercuffler. Oh. Albany would be in that one. That, North would actually be better. 110% to be better because those are like past winners. Yeah. All right. That'd be a decent. So then you could do it, right? That is, those are all the teams, North and South. I feel like I, we're missing a couple. Towson. Towson would be yeah, South. South. Is that it? We're definitely, I'm sure we're forgetting people, but that's pretty much those are the teams. You could do a North South thing. I think that something like that would make sense in terms of travel because, like, I don't know, Jamie. Let me look up. Jamie's world schedule real quick. You're just letting say this even more. Well, your audio just went crazy. Okay, it's back to normal. <laughs> that was weird. Okay, at Albany is really the only big road trip they already have on the schedule currently. Okay. So it wouldn't be a drastic change. But I want to play the undercuffler, man. We have four more, three more years with the undercuffler. <laughs> That's true. He's not going anywhere. Maybe he'll turn pro. What? Undercuffler, top five pick like Trey Lance. <laughs> no. But yeah, I think Trey Lance will, is going to go in the first round. Oh, Trey Lance is leaving. Sorry, North Coast State fans. <laughs> no, 110% he's leaving. But that does not mean the Trey Lance era is over. <laughs> North Dakota State fan. I hope one random North Dakota State fan finds it and listens to this point and hears us shitting on North Dakota State and Trey Lance and the Trey Lance era. You know, the Carson Wentz era has never ended either. Carson Wentz era is still going on. It's going on forever. Unbelievable. Easton Stick era? Easton Stick era, he was kind of overrated. He still is. I don't know how he has. But Ben DiNucci is going to be the week one starter for the Cowboys because Dak Prescott's contract's not going to get done. And, you know, Andy Dalton's not even a good quarterback. <laughs> I have no comment. I have no comment on that. Well, I have a lot of comments, actually, but I won't say that. I, I pray also the NFL season happens because there's so many great – like, I just want football to happen, but I think the NC – I really don't see a scenario – where we can see a full season of NCAA football. Like you mentioned, though, the NCAA sucking. Um, you've also got, like, the fact that they're just dragging their feet on name, image, and likeness stuff. So I would not be stunned 
like you were saying, like if something happens again in the fall, what's stopping these conferences from being like, you know what, we don't really need like your guidance on this. And NCAA really provides like nothing. I think it's pretty limited, right? I don't really know what it actually. Well, I, I, we, in one of my, my sports comm classes, we did a documentary on like the effects of something, something on D3 athletics. And we talked about NCAA and all of that. And someone who like has been around it and studies that type of stuff was just like, yeah, the NCAA is like run by the presidents of the universities who are part of it. Like the NCAA is more of like a mediator in it all. So it's very easily just broken up. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that, which would certainly be interesting. And then if you're JMU, where do you go? What's your regional, regional thing? How do you do it? I don't know. I'd love to see him getting like the A-10 for hoops, but we'll see. I talked about that over the basketball season. I'd love to see JMU in the A-10. They'd suck, but that'd be so much fun to see Dayton, Rhode Island, VCU, Richmond. And the women's team could easily do the A-10 jump. Oh, easily. They're better than probably three quarters of the A-10 teams. Yep. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we hope they play sports, and we probably won't know too much more until, what, mid-July when JMU goes and they're inevitably going to have five to ten dudes that test positive. Yeah. And then we'll see what goes on from there. Yeah, we'll but see. Uh, I think once we get into, like, mid-July and early August, I think there's going to be more clarity about, like, all right, if they're actually going to do the season, how they'll do it and all that stuff. So we'll probably take a month-long hiatus again. Yeah, a couple, but maybe two weeks. But maybe maybe we'll get Nick on our baseball contributor uh, to talk baseball because we kind of shafted them with our last episode because it was all Mark Byington and now this one's all the happenings in the world. And interesting, the draft and all that stuff where it was shortened. So I don't think yeah. they didn't. Yeah, and I know Nick watched every round of that draft. Yeah, I did as well. I was waiting for uh, Andrew Abbott to be picked by UVA, and he never did. And I watched about five hours of that, and I was like, okay, <laughs> fun. These draft experts in Major League Baseball. Also, the Major League Baseball draft, we'll talk about this with Nick, is just very confusing and strange. You can be picked in, like, the third round. And you'd be like, nope, I don't want to be picked. Like, can you imagine that in the NFL where it's like a junior is like, nope. I mean, you're not allowed, but like. So do they then go back for their senior year? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know they do it weird too with high school where it's like if you're a senior out of like, and that one kind of makes sense where it's like, I want to test the waters. And then they'll pick them and they're like, how much signing bonus? And they're like, whatever. And the kid's like, nope. And they leave. And then, wow. Yeah, it's also. Gene, even a guy, I think, I forget his name. His last name was Daniels. I'm drawing a blank on his first name. It was either BJ or, or DJ or something like that. Daniel. BJ Daniels was an old backup for the Seahawks. Okay. Well, I don't think it was him then. But he was going to be, people were like, oh, this guy's like freak athlete, played baseball and football, was going to be like our quarterback of the future. And then he signed a deal with the Blue Jays. How long ago was that? It was post VAD, like right after VAD. Oh, dang. Let me see. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding good info, guys. It was DJ. And he's young. And let's see. Yeah, he's had a bad minor league career. Ah. So, but he made a decent amount of money out of college. But his, yeah, his career average is 165 over four minor league seasons and 530 at best. Well, with that, 
165 is not going to cut it. Nope. With that, everyone, um, wear your masks and change the names JMU, please, because if you can change the name of Potomac Hall to Chandler for one donor, you can easily change the name of three buildings that represent traitors to our nation and actually racists that are terrible. Um, rename them to anything else. So yeah, for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your whenever day this ends up getting dropped in the next couple of days. Um, see ya. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.